This podcast episode is brought to you by Paleo Valley's Organic Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Now, we all know that many olive oils are cut with seed oils or that they are rancid, and so it's not always easiest to find a quality and properly sourced olive oil. Yes, in case you didn't know, many store bought olive oils are diluted or blended, compromising both taste and quality, and may even cause rancidity. I'm really glad that Paleo Valley's extra virgin olive oil remains pure and unadulterated, sourced from a single organic valley in Greece. Paleo Valley ensures freshness and nutrient content by packaging their olive oil in dark glass bottles. At a certain point, I stopped using extra virgin olive oil, but once our practice started working with people with chronic inflammatory response syndrome or SIRS, we started recommending it for the reduction of TGF beta 1. It is an immune system marker that shows inflammation both for COVID 19, SIRS, and actually many other illnesses. So if your TGF beta 1 is high, you may want to try incorporating a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. Make sure to check it out. It comes in a two pack package. And remember, All Paleo Valley products are guaranteed with a money back guarantee. Go to paleovalley.com slash nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. Back carnivore doctor with us.、Um, we are going to talk a lot about carnivore and the realities of the carnivore diet. And so, Lisa, thank you for joining me again today.、Um, It's great to be here, Judy. I'm、um, anxious to have a discussion about all of the、um, really interesting topics that、um, have been really coming up with a lot of people who are carnivore and have a lot of questions. So, if you want to kind of introduce yourself to some of the people that you know, didn't watch our last video, our interview, and then if you could just kind of tell us like, what's been going on since the last video. All right. So, I'm Dr. Lisa Wiedemann. I've been in practice for 30 years. I'm an optometric physician, and I have been carnivore since 2009, so 11 wonderful years of carnivory for me. And、um, I. I, I'm really just so passionate about trying to get the message out、uh, about how healthy this is and try to change the dogma of how we're so brainwashed to think that we have to eat fruits and vegetables. And I'm、um, really,、uh, I just really want to help anybody and everyone who makes their way here and is making an attempt to achieve their own optimal health. Yes, thank you. And I think,、um, you know, just in the short time that you've been more public about, you know, your journey and your 11 years carnivore, there has been, you know, such a tremendous amount of support for you and that all you've done, like your exercise videos, your cooking tips,、um, just being more realistic, showing your meals like, and your lives, all of those have been super helpful. And guys, I will include in the show notes where you can get a hold of Lisa. But so let's talk a little bit about some of the things that are not as talked about in the carnivore diet. So, you know, a lot of people right now are struggling to stay carnivore or lo- low carb,、um, you know, with all this stress going on. How have you been coping to stay car- carnivore during this time of, you know, isolation and just being at home? Yeah,、um, I actually feel, if anything, that carnivore. Has a very calming effect.、Um, and I don't know whether that's 
a lot of just really in my personality, but I just, I feel that uh, it just, nothing, nothing really razzes me to the maximum anymore. I, I feel like, you know, I am also currently out of work. I mean, my, as many of you out there are, my practice has shut down because of this and I have no paycheck and, but I just know everything's going to be fine. And I'm just using the time to just work out more, get stronger. I, I built in a little bit more of a home gym and I'm just taking the attitude that instead of being stressed out of it about it and, you know, turning to food and overeating or things out of boredom, I'm, I'm just really directing my energies elsewhere. And I just, honestly, I feel that I, I know a lot of carnivores through the years and there's so many of us that just have this um, attitude where we don't really get so uh, upset or uh, emotional about a lot of things. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I do see that a lot of the veteran carnivores do seem a lot more even keel. And I, I mean, meeting you in person, you definitely are very easygoing. You've been so honest and open about your journey and just, um, you know, anything that you kind of struggle with, um, just your journey of 11 years of eating meat-based. So um, you also talk sometimes about your cravings and struggles and moments. Um, so how have you kind of worked through these struggles and cravings, um, even over the years of 11 years being carnivore? Yeah, I think everybody's experience is is really different. And I come from a background of really uh, long-term severe sugar and carb addiction. And, um, and, you know, everybody's path to here is different. But for people like me, where it was such a central point of of my life, just having um, such a strong pull to to that and trying to overcome it. It's still it's still in my head. There's still noise in there. It's just that I I choose to turn it off. And you can choose to redirect how you deal with um, stress and anxiety and boredom and and whatever it is that you're feeling. Um, but you know there, there's there is noise in there, and I, I'm not going to deny it. I mean, I'd love to say that I don't think about it ever at all. Um, I, I do. It's not a physical craving anymore or a chemical addiction, uh, but there, there is, you know, there's always looking at that bowl of mixed nuts and saying, wow, boy, do I love nuts. You know, there, there's those things. And so you just, you just choose, you just know that you have that choice to make. And um, the, the, the driving force is how, how great you feel and how, what your, your health is like and that you don't want to be back on that horrible roller coaster. And everybody, everybody knows what that's like, is, is doing good on a diet, whatever diet you choose, and then falling off the rails and then feeling guilty or feeling like you've sabotaged yourself. So um, I, I just really think that um, you just have to be aware that it's there and, and just really try to make alternative decisions when the, the urge is really strong. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to do the same thing. That's why I always tell people that no diet will fix, you know, the mechanisms or the coping or the escape that we use as food, unless you find other, you know, mechanisms to kind of support that. So when you're stressed, if you've always turned to food, then, you need to find something else to, you know, take over that food habit so that you don't go back when we're highly stressed. And I think that's why as 
right now we're in such a stressful state in the global world. Um, a lot of people are kind of falling off these diets because when we are so stressed, we are just so used to going back to our old habits. And but if we use new habits and replace them and take mindfully do that, then we are at a, I guess, a better chance at you know fighting the sugar beasties. I guess. Um, yeah, I think I think part of it too though is there's always going to be stress in your life always yeah. going forward in the past and currently the major stress that we're under now so it's it's not it can't be an excuse it just can't be an excuse to go back which you know going back into processed food and sugar and carbs you know for a fact makes you feel worse so that that's really got to be the underlying driving force is that this you can't use any of that as an excuse and you have to make the decision that this is truly an addictive drug and you, you need to abstain from it. Yeah, no, I think that's very good. Um, one thing I keep seeing is that uh, one reason that people I think start having doubts about carnivore and then just kind of going back to eating other foods other than just meat is that they're not seeing the weight loss that they expected to see, right? So maybe they've been doing it for two months. Maybe some of them have been doing it for six months. Maybe they haven't gained weight, but they definitely haven't lost weight. And so there are, are these weight stalls. What has been your journey with weight during this whole 11 years being carnivore? Yeah. So for me, um, you know, initially I did not have a weight gain. So I don't even really know what I would have done at that point if it was really curing my, my addiction and, and drive for carbs and sugar to then all of a sudden say, well, the trade-off is you have to weigh more. I, I don't know because I know that would be difficult. Um, but for, for most people that do put a little bit of weight on at the beginning, there's, there's reasons for it. Um, and really, you have to come down to deciding if the health benefits or what we call the NSVs, the non-scale victories, are really going to start outweighing it. Um, the other thing with all my years of coaching, I've actually coached people for about 10 years now. And there's so many people that will say, Oh, what, what can I do? I'm not losing weight. You know, how many grams of fat should I eat? How many grams of this? Am I, you know, doing this right? Am I doing this wrong? And I said, and they, I said, well, how long have you been, you know, carnivore? I said, well, like on and off for about six months. And I said, well, all right. Well, can you tell me when you say on and off, what was the longest stretch of time that you actually remained strict carnivore, meaning meat, seafood, eggs, cheese, and that's it. They say, well, probably two weeks. And I say, all right, well, you know what? In some people, it takes four to six months to really get your body to say, wow, okay, here's, here's where we're at, and we're, we're adapted now, and here goes the journey. You, you can't judge anything on short periods of time. So that's, that's the first important thing. Um, the other thing is I just really think that people aren't patient because you expect because you, you're, you're doing this drastic change in your diet and you expect results. And even if, it, if you're like a month or two strict into it and you're not seeing the results you want, my response is you have to be patient. You've been eating for three decades, this processed food and sugar and crap, and your body has gradually deteriorated its health. And now you're two months into this new little optimal food plan that, you know, you've, you've come to, and you're expecting the world. And so I, I, you know, 
that's really been my mantra through my coaching is, is, is a lot of it is being patient. It's fine to, you know, tweak things down the road, but initially you just have to get on, 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 on the train and just keep riding it. Do you believe that you can eat like an endless amount of meat and not gain weight? No, absolutely not. Not, not in my case. Um, there's different things for sure of, um, that, that can be tweaked. Um, and you, everybody's different. So everybody's stress level is different. Your sleep is different. Your hormones are different. Your age is different. Your medical background is different. So there's no universal statement where I can say, well, you got to eat this many grams of protein, this many, and it gets so complicated. So, um, but in general, yeah, there's different things that can be altered. Um, you can give up dairy. That's one of the first things I say, because some people just don't tolerate dairy well when they're trying to lose weight. And I, I'm one of them. So uh, there, there's, there are different things that you can do. And no, I, I, my personal opinion from my own experience is that it's not a, a big free for all and, you know, have two slabs of baby back ribs and, and, and then a, a steak and feel like you're going to be losing weight. It, in, in my experience, it, it doesn't really work that way. And you could say, well, eat till full. Well, I don't know. People come from different backgrounds and have different satiety shutoff mechanisms. Some people come from so much binging that once you're told you can eat as much as you want, all of a sudden it's, you know, the can of worms is open. So that's all I, I tell people, you know, initially when you're adapting to this though, just eat until you feel full, try to just not eat until you feel really good and hungry again and eat. And, and just as time unfolds, then see what there's possibilities to tweak, but I'm not, I'm not big on saying eat all the meat you want and um, expect to, you know, get down to a real lean body weight. It's a lot more than just eat less meat, right? Because that's why I always try to also like put this disclaimer. It's not if you've been chronically under eating, so eating like just like a thousand calories a day or 1200 or 1400, and then been doing like 500 calories of burning of um, exercise every day, you likely were deficient in nutrients and calories. And so just cutting meat is not the answer. So if you then realize, okay, so the only way I can way I can lose weight on carnivore is to eat like two patties a day or half a pound of meat, like that is not the answer, you have to heal your hormones, you may have to gain a little bit of weight, you have to heal that BMR, your metabolic rate, and increase it so that you can burn more fat, it might be having to do a little bit of exercise and building muscle. Um, but it's not just I think I just want to clarify that we're not saying, so if you're not losing weight, then just cut back, but it has to be a point that you can cut back where it's safe. And this is where you have to really do healing in the body. And then you can kind of cut back in a way that you're eating enough meat. And I would never require or never, I would never tell someone to eat less than a pound a day, for example. Right. And, and really the bottom line is this has to be sustainable because this, oh, yeah, this is long term. You're not. We're, on, we're not on a quick fix diet and then going back to anything. This is an ongoing way of eating. So it's not going to be sustainable if you're if you're hungry, and nobody likes to feel hunger. So that's not at all what I'm saying. It's just, but there is a difference between uh, going full out <laughs> banshee on on the meals and saying, you know what, I actually do feel satisfied having three quarters of a pound of meat for this meal and I'm going to eat again later. But 
it's, you know, it, the, it, it's very difficult to, to bring this up because people want to know, well, how much should I be eating? How much? Yeah. And I don't like the um, two pound rule that it seems to be circulating on some of the Facebook groups that that's, you know, and, and they just try to give a general idea. Mm -hmm. But I think everybody is so different that you just have to keep, um, I, don't, I hate to say experimenting, but just, you know, try to judge yourself at each meal. I, I tend to make more than what I'm going to eat. And it's, a lot of it's because I will, it's for, for simplicity and I'll have leftovers the next day or two. But um, I, I eat until I really just feel like pushing the plate away and I'm not, you know, stuffing myself, but I'm not at all at a point where I'm saying, all right, I'm only going to have half a pound here because I want to cut weight. So that's, that's just not going to work. We were talking about how sometimes you fluctuate five to 10 pounds. Um, and, you know, just for all the viewers, um, we can go up and down five pounds in just one day. Um, our body is 60% water weight. So if we're near our period, um, if we're just having hormonal things going on, our water can shift. And so a five pound fluctuation shouldn't be something that we fear. But in your world of things, like how have you managed the five to 10 pound fluctuations um, over the years? Yeah, well, so so the biggest issue for me, which I mentioned earlier, really is is cheese because cheese really does have addictive, you know, components to it, and it's sort of like a slippery slope segue from the uh, carb sugar addiction thing, where it's like, wow, now here's something else that my body wants and I want to eat more of. Um, so uh, that's one of the things that's just easy to to drop. Well, it's not so easy to drop, but it's it's easy to know that dropping that will definitely have an effect on my weight. Um, and, and then other than that, I, I, I usually, and not that I think exercise is the answer, but I will just bump up spending more time outside, uh, maybe, you know, walking three to five miles. Um, and a lot of it's cause I enjoy it. I'm not doing it forced to lose weight, but mm -hmm. just, you know, keeping being active. And I think really weight bearing exercise is really important and not for, the caloric deficit at all, but I really think going forward in our lives that we need to maintain muscle mass. It's really yeah. important. Yes, as we get older, we lose muscle mass and we really need muscle mass to be stronger. Um, I just said this to a client the other day, but I mean, the reason why when we get older and we fall and we break our hip is because there's not even that much muscle mass right there to protect our bodies. Um, and we need it for survival, for longevity. And as we get older, you know, the typical common thing you see is, you know, older people get dentures and then they don't want to, um, they don't want to consume meat, right? Because it's kind of hard to eat. So, but more than ever, we need to be eating a lot more protein as we um, age so that we can keep up lean um, body mass, but also like to do these weight bearing exercises, as you're saying. Yeah. And I, I agree with the walking. Um, I don't remember exactly how many, you know, they say the 10,000 steps is ideal. And I don't remember how many miles that is, but I think your range is exactly in that 10,000 steps. And it's good for health. It, we need to move for like, for example, I talked about it before, but our lymphatic system, it doesn't have a pump. So in order for our lymph nodes to move around and it needs to move around, we need the hydration. We need obviously the minerals, cofactors and all that, but we also need to move. So like jumping and we don't all need to jump, but just walking itself will help move that because our blood moves because we have a heart pumping, right? But we don't have that in our lymph nodes. So it requires movement. Um, 
So yeah, yeah. I think the other major benefit of this whole kind of getting out and, and walking more is, is this, this, the sunlight. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and just a connection with nature. I just think it's got a, a stress-relieving, calming effect just to be outside and listen to the birds sing and look at the trees and look at the flowers. And there's just something um, really calming about um, just being out in nature. Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com slash groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.